In today's cold open, I tell you what's about to take place. Stay tuned. Today on Table Talk Radio, we play Name That Theologian and Bible Bee. Evan gets something like two million points, and then at the end, gives it all away. Ah. <laughs> A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to... Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Successfully progressing that headache to a full-on migraine, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> That's right. The show where Pastor Wolf You're welcome, to, all you who are hoping to get out of work today. Yep. Uh, the show where Pastor Wolf gets to check up on his Facebook updates. How's that going over there? Alas. Alas, I don't have the computer. I, wonder, I could probably check the Facebook on my phone, I imagine. But <laughs> I, I got the 4 o'clock Facebook. You. I'm pretty tight on that nowadays. One trip to Facebook every day at 4 o'clock, seeing what's going Look on Look out. There. You've been warned. <laughs> I, did, I, did, um, I figured out how to get stuff onto Facebook without actually going there myself, so that's been a huge help. So that, that book I get to make it worse for everybody else while myself avoiding it. It's like when I used to go and dump cold water on my brothers in the shower. That's how I am with Facebook now. I just throw the stuff into the Facebook and run. Yeah. That book you recommended. Speaking to of me. that, I was reading through Second Kings. What is this? And the and the Lord tells the prophet, Go and anoint the king and tell him all this stuff and then he says, Open the door and get out of there as fast as you can. Because as soon as this guy Jehu becomes king of Israel, he starts killing everybody. This is this. So this is how I am in Facebook. I just dump the thing in there and <laughs> run as fast as I can. You have to, you know, basically, if you have a Facebook group, you know nothing about this, but you basically have to have bouncers in the group that sit there and mod, like you know, like theological thugs that sit there and watch over this stuff. We had to appoint bouncers in the Table Talk Radio Facebook group. I mean, number one, you got to throw out all the people selling the sunglasses that sneak in there and sell the sunglasses. Why are you you against entrepreneurs selling sunglasses? Well, I am not against them. I'm just against them in the Facebook group. They're like, yeah, I love Table Talk Radio. Want to buy some Ray-Bans for 30 bucks from (laughs) India? I think that's a great... Table Talk Radio is my favorite. They're probably our listeners, actually. They're probably, you know... Our poor listeners who are trying to sell those uh, sunglasses from India, you're shutting them down. I, the other I don't, day think, I don't fa- think we ought to be cutting out Table Talk Radio listeners from our group, even if they are selling sunglasses from <laughs> yeah, India. Yeah, that's true. We ought to take it, everyone it we can get. It is basically a free-for-all, except for, that's like the one rule. It's like, don't be a heretic and don't sell sunglasses. <laughs> I guess that's two rules. Don't be a heretic. Don't sell sunglasses. Everything else, it's like a free-for-all, basically, in there, which is why I try to stay out of it. But... 
The other day, I got to tell you this, this great risk that I took, speaking of entrepreneurship and India, I uh, did a, what did I do? Oh, yeah, Free Catechism Friday. I was giving away three copies of the Large Catechism last Friday on the Facebook for anybody who liked it or whatever, commented. There's like, I don't know, 400 million likes, maybe not that many. But I was sure I was going to have to ship catechisms to like Antarctica and Sri Lanka and, but anyway... Three Americans won, so there you go. <laughs> what was the criteria? You just picked your favorite, or your? Or was it the first three? No, I, it was complicated. There's apparently all these apps that you can use to randomly select someone who liked something, but it has to be on a page. And Anyway, I downloaded this program to download. All, it was a big mess, but in the end, I just picked. I just counted the number of likes, and I counted the number of comments, and I hit a random number generator, and then I just counted down. Hmm. All right. Well, manual. Congratulations! Manual congratulations to those winners. To the winners. Yeah. We should give away. We should give away large catechisms for some contest on the table talk here. You know. Um, I was thinking. What does we Facebook have that table probably, talk? Does not? Yeah, nothing. Um, except, I mean, <laughs> comparing those two is probably a pretty good comparison. Uh, Facebook. <laughs> And Table Talk Radio. <laughs> We're not stealing people's information. Yeah, no. that's true. Colluding with the Ruskies. Yeah. All right, let's get some little bit of content. Or maybe which we are. starts with some theological buzzwords. So, Pastor Ruffler, take My us away. My buzzword for you is Vladimir Putin. <laughs> See how funny that is? That's actually not my buzzword. My buzzword for you is brought to you by Vladimir Putin, and it is the, the phrase, the descent into hell. It comes from the creed, where we say... Christ descended into hell. And this became some sort of controversy in the Reformation. How could this be a controversy? Because mm. I guess nobody actually knows what that means, Christ descended into hell. We got a couple of Bible passages that talk about it. And this became a controversy in the Reformation so that Article 9, if you can believe it, of the Formula of Concord is on the descent of Christ into hell. And it's just one paragraph, and it basically says, go read Luther's Torgal sermon. And I'm trying to figure that out, because if, if someone tells me that, go read Luther's Torgau sermon, I'd go to the Internet and try to find it. But it's not anywhere on the Internet, the Torgau sermon, something I'm trying to remedy as we speak. Hmm. So we say this is what we say about the descent into hell, that Jesus was made alive in the spirit. He appeared to the, uh, to the, to the prisoners, that means to the demons that were cast down into hell at the time of Noah. How this happened, what order it happened in, etc., we don't know. What we do know is that, one, Jesus did not go into hell to suffer. We know that because he says it's finished. All the suffering for our atonement occurred on the cross that was done, accomplished. So that his trip to hell is like a victory lap where he broke down the gates of hell, tied up the devil, etc., etc., but the other thing he did not do was the harrowing of hell. That's the Catholic doctrine and the idea that all the people who died in the Old Testament were in hell until Jesus busted them out like a jailbreak. We know that's not the case because of a couple of reasons. But number one, like we know that Elijah and Moses visited Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, something that would be very difficult to do if they were in hell. But how it happened is difficult to understand. Um, but we know that Jesus, body and soul, even if somehow his body's still in the grave, body and soul goes to uh, vanquish hell and set us free. Here, I'll, you want a Luther quote on this? Sure. That's what you were thinking. I wish you'd read some Luther. When someone asks you about this, simply say, quote, I really don't know how it happened, and I will not and I cannot think that through and formulate a good explanation. 
<laughs> That's what I say to everything, though. <laughs> that sounds like Table Talk Radio. <laughs> we should say, though, that the— I uh, simply cannot explain it at all. The, the descent to hell is in the category of the uh, state of exaltation, not the state of humiliation. So that's an important point. Yeah, so so that when when um, Christ descends to hell, he is doing so um, according to divine his divine nature and his human nature um, in the state of exaltation, which means that even according to his human nature, um, the full attributes of God uh, are communicated through the human nature. So that that um, this is how then you know we can receive the Lord's Supper at the same place at the same time or multiple places at the same time. So if uh, if, if if Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado is having uh, the Lord's Supper at the exact same time that Faith Lutheran Church in Rogue River, Oregon is, uh, Christ is truly present, even according to his flesh and blood, in both places. Why? Because in a state of exaltation, the divine nature is communicated through the, um, uh, through the, the human nature. And that would be true then also the descent to hell. True. I, the t- the Bible pa- there's like one and a half Bible passages, or maybe one Bible passage and two half Bible passages. First uh, Peter three eighteen and nineteen is the clearest. Christ was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. That's the text. And then Colossians two fifteen, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And so that applies to that. And then. Uh, there's a text, I think, also in First Timothy or Second Timothy, where there's that little creed. I'll try to find that also. That kind of half applies to this descent of Jesus into hell. All right, we'll look for that. The my theological buzz phrase for you is three estates. Uh, hey, I know all about to that. The family, the church, the state, and uh, this is um, the ordering of God's creation, so that uh, He has placed. Uh, us in a created order uh, through various institutions, and he has organized our lives in different uh, ways and different purposes through these three estates, the family, the church, the state. So the family is the place where uh, we are protected and loved and grow and uh, have parents and um, uh, where we learn the faith, where we learn... um, our ABCs, <laughs> all, and every, all of that. Uh, this, the church is the place where we see the forgiveness of sins through the means of grace. And then the state is where we are protected from evildoers um, by the state's governance. So three states is your theological best phrase. Piece of cake. Good. All right. Uh, let's see how much time we have left. Oh, 42 seconds. That's fantastic. Completely squandered an entire segment of Table Talk Radio. I can't believe that. But at least we need we, to get after it. Our quickening at, needs to be quicker. <laughs> at least we know your Facebook practices. That's what I'm most concerned about. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that met, you're, you're the one that cracked open that barrel, of monkeys. Yes. By the way, oh, please tell me more about Facebook, would you, please? <laughs> I am just I can dying tell. to know. You're like you're on the side. You wish you could go in. You like you walk by the bar. You're like I don't like. I don't want to go to that place. And you see all the guys playing foosball. You're like I don't like foosball. <laughs> you're right. Foosball rocks. I'm totally missing out. You're, you make you make a <laughs> good point. My life is incomplete. You, like you and Facebook. <laughs> I wish the conservative hackers in in England had my information. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a breather from all of this excitement, 
And then when we get back, we're playing Name That Theologian. Pastor Wolfmiller has a theologian he's itching to read to me. And I have one for him that I am sure he is not going to be able to figure out. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Name That Theologian right after this. You know what I think when I hear about how Facebook's spying on me? I can't hear you. I think at least someone's paying attention to what I'm saying. Table Talk Radio. It's everyone's favorite. We're going to try something totally new this fall, a missionary visit. We're going to go tour around Spain and see the missionaries that are there. Find out more at wolfmuller.co. Click the travel button. Name That Theologian is the game. Table Talk Radio is the show, and Pastor Wolf Mueller is the loser. All right, so we're gonna, how this game hey. works is... <laughs> Take it, I say. See how smooth buddy. that was? Uh, the way this works is we read a theologian, and then we guess what uh, who the theologian is. That's why we call it Name That Theologian. Pastor Wolf <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Could okay. you review those rules again? Yeah, yeah. So first, we read okay. a theologian, first, and then we have to theologian. guess okay. who the theologian is. Guess, then guess. Yeah. So what we call what this do our is listeners do? name that theologian. <laughs> our listeners turn it off as soon as possible. I mean, I don't know why they're even <laughs> listening to this junk anymore, but they are, so we'll be happy yeah. to oblige. But you have a theologian you want to read to me, so uh, let's have it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in conclusion, Zwingli says, in words that give us a glimpse of his doctrine of absolute predestination, quote, if notwithstanding this, the prophets or preachers of the word are sent to any place, that is an indication of the grace of God who wants to reveal the knowledge of him to the elect, end quote. He means to say, quote, when the word is preached and there are still so many people unconverted, the reason is not that the word has not exerted its uh, efficacy, but because there is no efficacy in the word, the spirit must produce the effect. God permits preaching only because he wants to convert the elect. Accordingly, he applies his spirit to some and takes him away from others. In quote. This is so good. All right. That plainly shows oh, what going. the Reformed Church going. teaches yeah. regarding the revelation of the means of grace to grace, righteousness, and the salvation of sinners. All right. That, oh, that's good. Okay, so I'm at first I I was leaning towards one of the early church fathers, but I I, I think I can rule that out. <laughs> Why? What do you mean? You think this has got to be post Zwingli? Maybe. maybe. Oh, Zwingli was he was a contemporary of Arius, wasn't he? Uh, I think so. I, I, I don't remember. My, exactly. my history's a little hazy. I, I think that's about right. Um, so <laughs> this is so fantastic with with what the quote is saying. So like normally we say. Uh, I mean, normally when we read the Bible and then we say what the Bible says, it says uh, that that the Spirit is working in and through the Word of God so that um, a person hears the Word of God and receives faith, like kind of like, sort of like what Romans 10 says, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of Christ, the Word of God, so that the Spirit produces faith through that Word of God. So where you have the Word of God, there you have the Holy Spirit working, but not so much for Zwingli. Zwingli says, look, you can have the Word of God without the Spirit, that the Spirit may or may not be working through that Word of God. So now it's not about the Word of God at all. It's really just about the um, coincidence of the Spirit working uh, time and and. And sometimes, sometimes not, kind of a thing. 
so this is the this is a huge difference, and this causes, um, I think I, I don't I don't know that it starts with Zwingli. I think you claim it starts with Calvin. Is that what you think? Uh, yes. Um, but th- this is the major problem that gets American Christianity off the rails. Um, and I am say that because um, in our church we just completed a little mini series study on the various Christian denominations. And so we kind of started uh, chronologically with Roman Catholicism and there's kind of uh, marched through all the major Christian denominations. And the major theme throughout all of them was that they divided um, the Holy Spirit working with the word. And, and most of them, which had big errors, said, look, you have the word, but that's just a dead word without the spirit uh, included. So there's a distinction between the Word of God and the, the the working of the Spirit, which we can make no such distinction. Yes. You want another quote? I found an even better one. I do. According to Zwingli's teaching, baptism confers no gift because the Holy Spirit requires no vehicle for his conveyance. Oof. The church then, Zwingli continues, quote, receives by baptism those who have been first received by grace. Accordingly, baptism confers no grace but only testifies to the church that the person receiving it has already obtained grace. Zwingli continues, In the tenth place, I believe that the office of prophesying or preaching is sacred because it is highly necessary above all other offices. For to speak with canonical correctness, we observe that among all nations, external preaching by the apostles and evangelists or bishops has preceded faith. End quote. And in parentheses, Zwingli mentions this because it's an undeniable fact, and he calculates that his adversaries will now be unable to charge him with concealing this fact. Zwingli continues, And yet we attribute man's faith to the Spirit alone. For alas, we behold a great many who are hearing the external preaching of the gospel, and yet do not believe because the Spirit is lacking. End quote. This author continues, there you behold the fanatic. <laughs> From this teaching, fanaticism is bound to crop out, and it certainly has cropped out. We have the best evidence of it here in America, where the appeal to the spirit is heard everywhere. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, <laughs> so good. Um, okay, so here, here is then why uh, someone could say that baptism um, offers no gift of forgiveness, as Zwingli has just said. Um, and Zwingli is also the guy who uh, um, makes the makes the point that the Lord's Supper is just merely symbolic, that you don't have Christ's true body and blood in the Lord's Supper, but symbols of. I, I read an article, and maybe I've even mentioned that uh, here on the show. You know, last year when they were making all the hubbub about the 500th anniversary of the Reformation? I remember. And oh, yeah. there was an article who said the real reformer that's won out is Zwingli. And the reason is, is that everyone in America, and and I I don't really know what perspective this author is writing from, but uh, because everyone in America um, believes in the uh, uh, the symbolic understanding of the Lord's Supper. And in a way, that author of the article has a point. You know, I mean, Zwingli's uh, teaching here has won the day. Um, But never mind, it has to come at the acceptance of this notion that the Spirit and the Word are uh, two um, divided things that are not working together. The, the Holy Spirit's not always working through the Word of God. Because if you do have that, now you have 
um, you know, something like baptism, that's actually working a thing because it's the word of God that makes baptism baptism. It's not the performance of the deed or the merit of the action, but it's the word of God. And so if that word of God inherently is uh, conv- is the, the spirit working to convey the forgiveness of sins, then baptism is a washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, as Titus 3, 5 says. Mm-hmm. So, but you you gave me some important information in this last quote because I was thinking that this was Luther or maybe um, Martin Chemnitz, but um, this is obviously a contemporary uh, author. So I'm gonna have to start thinking about this again. So I hope I hope I get one more quote. Okay, I'll give you one. Now listen to a few testimonies from our own confessions. In the small called articles, we read quote. Therefore, we ought and must constantly maintain this point that God does not wish to deal with us otherwise than through the spoken word and sacraments. It's the devil himself whatsoever has extolled the spirit without the word of sacraments. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> End quote. The spirit comes to men by means of the word. A person may imagine that he's full of the spirit to be burst to the bursting point, but it is, own, it is his own spirit of fanaticism. The true spirit is obtained only through the word of God. In every passage of the Holy Scriptures which recounts the conversion of people, we see that God really wants to deal with men only through the word and sacraments. Wow. Okay, so this has to be a Lutheran theologian because he's quoting the Lutheran confessions and putting them forward as true. I don't know of anyone else who would say what you just said. Can you think of anyone? I mean, does does anyone else email me if you're not a Lutheran and you confess this? Because um, I think that this is so unique to Lutheran theology, the idea that we that God does not want to deal with us in any other way than through the Word of God. Because everyone else is looking at the stars for a sign from God, or that uh, they had a sensation when driving down the road, and this is God speaking to them to do X, Y, and Z. That's dangerous, by the way, because if you're listening to something like Table Talk Radio, and you have this sensation of rage and frustration, and you think that could be coming from God, that is a dangerous uh, theology to hold. So, um, this got to be Bursting with the spirit at seam, uh, at the seams. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, a contemporary theologian, uh, Lutheran, writing about fanaticism... I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think if this would be like a new book that's out, but you don't you don't really read books. Um, <laughs> you just read a few pages for this game. I don't know. Uh, I mean, some names come to mind. Maybe like someone like Fisk or um, what's that guy? Rich, Matt Richard. Maybe um, uh, Matthew Harrison. I'm going to go with uh, with Matt Richard. Who is Matt Richard? Wow, that's a compliment to Matt Richard. I suppose it's also a compliment to this particular author because you are wrong. Mm. You want to guess again? No. Or you just want me to tell you? Just tell me. This is CFW Walther. Oh, nice. The proper distinction between law and gospel, the 16th evening lecture. Yeah, that's good. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. What is he lecturing on? Thesis 9. I wonder what thesis nine is. How long does he lecture on this thesis even? I'll read you thesis was that nine. The, since that, you're was that wondering. the new contemporary translation of Walther? No. Oh. No. Oh. This is the old I d- one. I man. didn't I didn't pick the up the language. Public domain you one. just have about thirty seconds here. Here thesis nine says 
The word of God is not rightly divided when sinners terrified by the law are directed to their own piety. True that, CFW. <laughs> Way to go, C. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little bit of a breather and then come back. I have a theologian. Hey, look, this is dedicated to the faculty of Concordia College in Australia. Uh Uh-oh. Meaning that this entire book should be read with an Australian accent. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Who knew? Oh, man. How could I have missed that? Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. All right, we're back on Table Talk Radio playing Name That Theologian. And so far I have zero points. But I'm going to make the comeback in Bible B, which is next. But first got to give some quotes of theologian, uh, a theologian to Pastor Wolf Mueller. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. Well, oh, I'm ready. Well, Born ready. Since the game is— Is this from a book or from the Internet? From a book, actually. I have those now. Uh, since the okay. game is apparently to read a theologian quoting another theologian, I'm going to do the same. Um, yeah, baby. First, <laughs> I'll admit that the first quote won't help you, but it's a setup for the second to uh, quote. So first one is this. The church historian Eusebius passes on an interesting tradition relating to the composition of the Gospel of Mark under the influence of Peter. Quote. Do you know what Eusebius means? No. It means good Sebius. <laughs> All right, uh, here's the quote. And the elder used to say this, Mark, having become Peter's interpreter, wrote down accurately everything he remembered, not, uh, uh, sorry, uh, though not in order of the things either said or done by Christ. For he neither heard the Lord nor followed him, but afterwards, as I said, followed Peter, who adapted his teaching as needed, but had no intention of giving an ordered account of the Lord's sayings. Consequently, Mark did nothing wrong in writing down some things as he remembered them, for he made it his one concern not to omit anything which he heard to make any false statement in them. All right, so that's Eusebius quoted by this theologian. Yes, that's Eusebius talking about the Gospel of Mark. Yep. Yep. Huh. And the point and I'm is— supposed to say, I'm supposed to guess who's quoting Eusebius? <laughs> well, like I said, it's a setup for the next two quotes. Okay. All right, do you want, just okay. want me to launch into the second one? Uh, so I like I I by the way like Eusebius because in some ways, in some ways you I think now I, I'm no expert on this. I know the listeners very surprised to hear me say that. Uh, but the I I think that you can go back to Eusebius and see in Eusebius the beginnings of a scientific approach to history that grows directly out of our Christian understanding of the world. In other words, we the, one of the unique things about Christianity is it is a historic religion. It, it makes claims on, on a true history. In fact, we say the major event in all of the universe was the historical event of the resurrection and so forth. And so we, in the creed, we say Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate and 
the books of the Bible, the prophets and the apostles come to us as history books, these things that really happened. And, and so to take that up, that theology, and then to out of that develops a whole idea of, of what history ought to be. And so our modern understanding of history, at least a kind of pre-postmodern understanding of history, that history is an accounting of true facts and so forth, grows directly out of the Christian worldview. And I think you see that in, in Eusebius. So it's really kind of wonderful, this guy who stood at the beginning of of the um, the beginning of the work of being a historian, and he's doing it directly because he's a Christian. Ah, anyway. All right. Sorry. All right. So here's your second quote from your theologian. Okay. Christian faith began with the resurrection of Jesus, whose death is interpreted in Jewish terms as atoning and saving and in fulfillment of prophecy. There is no disagreement on this point. All who have believed in Jesus and were numbered among his followers concurred on these essential beliefs. There is no other, quote, Christianity that thought otherwise. The Gospels written in the first century, that is, the New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, narrate the discovery of the empty tomb and appearances of the risen Jesus to his followers. The resurrection of Jesus and his and its saving power become the central truth of Christian preaching and missionary activity to which Peter and Paul give emphatic witness. Uh, there simply is no evidence of any other Christian movement in the first generation following Easter that preached something else. Huh. So this is a conservative theologian writing against the liberal theologians, but they they're writing in that in that context. You can hear it's really kind of funny. You can hear there's a couple of phrases in there that I that kind of raised my attention. Like, hey, hey, that's not you know, that's the way that the libs talk. Although this person is obviously speaking against uh, the liberal ideas of higher criticism. Uh and they're taking kind of an apologetic tact to the open, open tomb or empty tomb. Um, but you, this is—it sounds more like an article than a book to me. Are you reading uh, out of a like a feshrift, which a collection of articles or something? Nope, this is a book. This is a book, a real long book with front cover and back cover and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is even sold in bookstores huh. and everything. <laughs> really? Okay. Now I now I have not heard any. So aside from the conservative sort of apologetic take on things, I have not heard anything that would lead to a theological distinctive going here. And I don't quite know what the argument is being made. So I need, I need one more piece of evidence to put it all together. Okay. In sum, the essence of the Christian faith is found in Christianity's earliest writings, all of them originating in the first century— many within two or three decades of Jesus' death and resurrection. Not only that, the core beliefs and values of early Christianity grew out of Jesus' pre-Easter teaching and out of the Easter and Pentecost experiences of the first generation of believers. Claims that in the middle of the first century, several Christianities existed side by side, holding to different views of Jesus' person and, and mission and different ideas— of what is meant to be his follower, exaggerate the differences and distort the evidence. Admittingly, there were disagreements among Jesus' earliest followers, but do these disagreements justly uh, justify speaking of, quote, lost Christianities? Uh, and then it, he goes into explaining why that is not the case. 
So it's a, so this is some more refutation of the of the of the liberal stuff. I mean, the, the, so the the liberal higher critic approach to the scriptures is you you're looking for all the differences. You see the scripture as late tradition, um, written late this idea of primitive Christianity, and then it gets more and more. Um, I don't know, theological or complicated or, or whatever. So the liberal un- understanding of things is that, you know, at the beginning there there was a simple belief in God, a simple belief in Jesus, um, maybe not as God, or, but that, you know, the doctrine develops, the writing develops, and so forth. Um, the, and this is refuting all of that quite beautifully, quite wonderfully, seemingly quite convincingly. A book about this would be an apologetics text, I think, mostly, um, and it seems like it's re- it's it would be like a refuting some of the Gnostic Gospels or the lost books of the Bible or something like this. I I don't know. I do not know who. Would, would do you think that I'd know who this is? I think you have heard of him. Yeah. Okay, so it's a guy. I th- I think it's someone you've heard of and maybe listened to before, but maybe not anyone you've probably picked up a book and read of before. So this, so listen, to, uh, I wonder if this is, so this could be one of these popular um, uh, apologetics guys. There's this guy, really, William Lane Craig. There's um, this, Hoverboss is another one. Or who's the Stand to Reason guy is, um, what is that guy's name? Stand to uh, Reason. Is that Kokel? Yeah, Greg Kokel. I wonder if I've got this, my apologetics sections over here. Uh, Lee Strobel is the case for Christ. I bet you, you know, that's the most popular one. There's this uh, evidence that demands a verdict, Josh McDowell. Uh, but I, w- I wonder if you're reading from that book, uh, the case. Well, I that where that's where he goes and interviews people. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess though, Lee Strobel. That's gonna be my guess. <clears throat> Sorry, wanna guess again? Was I in the right genre? You're in the right genre, but you didn't uh, speculate to the right uh, author. Who is it? This is Craig Evans. Craig Evans. Evans? I don't know him. Oh, really? I told you you wouldn't get it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, Craig Evans is a um, a textual critical uh, scholar. I think he teaches in Canada. So I was hoping to hear a little bit of your Canadian accent uh, going on. Oh, that's good, eh? <laughs> I'm quickly trying to find where he teaches. But uh, anyway, he's he's a guy that has um, been probably one of the uh, more predominant uh, outspoken scholars against someone like Bart Ehrman, who's popularized a lot of work to uh, and really skew a lot of the discussions, scholarly discussions about textual criticism. And so, you know, Bart Ehrman will come along and say, oh, we've got uh, 10,000 differences in the text, so how can it be believed? And uh, Craig Evans will come along and, you know, point out the significance of some, most of those uh, differences to say that this isn't really bringing into jeopardy the reliability of the text whatsoever. But uh, Bart Ehrman can phrase it in a way uh, that it sounds like uh, it's, the text is not trustworthy. And you're right about the section that I was reading from. Uh, Craig Evans is refuting the idea that um, you know Jesus was this guy who uh, died. Maybe he rose. Who knows? But um, a various forms of religion popped up after the death of Jesus. D- different forms of Christianity, and then 
um, certain ones kind of got, you know, through the process of evolution, uh, certain ones got weeded out, and then the one that we have today is just the one that stuck. Uh, well, Evans is pointing out, look, th- this is what Christianity was was recorded in evidence uh, to give us as we know it today, not some other form along, you know, side by side Christianities. Thirty seconds. That is, oh, that, this, that is evolutionary is absolutely genius, which I want to talk about more after the break because you're right. The liberals read everything as if it's the story of evolution brought to the Bible. So. More about that soon, huh? All right, we'll do that, and then we'll play some Bible B. One more segment of Table Talk Radio, and this is coming up right after this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio, we'll be right back. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel. And I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you've got to have 4,000 hours. And I I, look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube. Search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. The score is nil-nil coming off that game. Name that theologian. But there's a chance for points in playing Bible B. But first, Pastor Wolfmiller has a word or two to say about evolution and biblical scholarship. Oh, yeah. you. So you said that the these liberals um, see, the theolo- see religion as evolving. And, and that is true. They see... So, so what evolution does is it puts everything in in the in terms of a power struggle, survival of the fittest, and it's a strange thing that the people who who are the most evolutionary, it seems to me like would be the people who would hate evolution the most. But they see theology even that way. Like there was this peaceful primitive religion, but then it became this big power struggle, and and the patriarchal men came in there and and put the women and the mystics out, you know. And they see, so they see the evolution of religion in, in these terms of, of, of evolution. They, see, they read the books of the Bible it, it, with a political lens, which this kind of power politics and evolution go together. In fact, we did an interview, a table, old table scraps with a graph about evolution and evolutionary thought, and he brought some of this out. That was years Remember that? That was years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, the one of the, and when that kind of evolutionary thinking gets into biblical scholarship, then it makes all the books of the Bible like political propaganda. It's absolutely horrible, just the worst. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so in contrast, though, the Bible says that the word of the Lord endures forever. It's uh, not a evolving, changing thing. It is God's word that, right. is, that continues. So, all right, let's okay. get to some Bible B. I'll let you... Um, give me a verse first, um, and then I'll... Okay. Now, we're doing an, an expedited version of the game, I think. Yeah, yeah, shortened game. We only have one segment, so we're doing two verses, then one word. So instead of the normal three rounds, we only have two rounds. All right. Points are doubled. Ah, so this for this first one, you have the possibility of getting two million points. Yes. Uh, here's the text. 
He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. How many millions of points do I get? Two million. Okay. Can I get that in writing before I issue my guess? No. <laughs> All right. No, it's a, it's a pledge. <laughs> Two million. <laughs> Is that a hint? All right. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, this sounds like the passage that talks about the descent to hell. And I yes, think the buzzword. Comes, oh, 500 points. Right I there. heard you say the buzzword. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's 500 points since you heard me, but um, this is First Peter. First Peter is the book we go to to talk about the. Descent you are to hell. right. First Peter three. That's what I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Remember how I told you you'd be embarrassed? If you didn't? <sighs> Luckily, I, I was listening. listening this you got time, it because I had no idea Blam. about that before. So. Good. Two See? million and five. Two million. I'll give you five hundred. Uh, look, it's it's Easter season. Two million <laughs> five hundred points. Excellent. Blam. Excellent. All right. Okay. Little law or gospel. Oh, this is gospel. I mean, th- this is uh, Christ proclaiming the victory, um, and include. I mean, he proclaims the victory over sin, death, and the devil to all creation, including those. Uh, spirits in prison, and that's what this is about. So this this is gospel, actually. Right? Right. Okay, so right. Um, my first... Uh, let's see, I have it here somewhere. Oh, yeah, here it is. Now, my, my verses, my selections for uh, Bible B are thematic. So not only do you have to guess the books of the Bible, but at the end you have to guess the theme going on in what I picked. Oh wow! Okay. So I'm I've been I woke, extra layer. I woke up pretty early Adding this layers morning. Layers of flavor. It's my new favorite. <laughs> All right, ready? Yep. All right. It says, "Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God." Ah. Okay. Uh, I think I know that verse, so it's not fair. Uh, I know that verse particularly because when it comes up in the conversation about infant faith, and that is a that is a uh, messianic prophecy. This is by King David, that's recorded for us in the Book of Psalms. So, what is the Book of Psalms? You got it. Do you know what Psalm? Psalm twenty-two. Do you know what verse is? <laughs> mm, I bet it's right around verse 17. No, 9 and 10. Sorry. So you'll lose okay. 400 points for not getting the <laughs> verses. <laughs> All right. So law or gospel? Tell uh, us a little bit about the, these passages. Uh, that is, well, it's describing the two natures of Christ and um, and how he Jesus especially was uh, always obedient. So this talks about his, it's, it's the psalm there is contrasting Jesus' perfect righteousness with the wrath that he's suffering and Hmm. so this is going to be a passage of um of gospel great so so this does this verse then not apply to the topic of infant faith i don't use it as a uh proof text for infant faith because it's it's directly to jesus but it can it's it informs because it it certainly doesn't stand in contradiction to other psalms like psalm 47 Mm. and other passages in the bible that talk about infant faith yeah good all right so then in our round two we only get one word so this is i mean we're going right into the to the fire here so give me your give me your one clue spitting spitting now this is to be this is to be distinguished between spitted and spittle, 
which occur a number of times, but one time in the King James, spitting. Spitting. Um. Well, so, so I mean, I, there, I think of Jesus, I mean, when you say spittle especially, Jesus makes spittle out of the dirt. I mean, he makes, sorry, mud with the spittle and the dirt to heal the man blind. Now, the question is, uh, is there a tense in which Jesus, I mean, in the, in the present tense, is spitting to make spittle, which makes sense, I think. I kind of don't think so, but I don't know where else I would find spitting. Uh, I know Revelation talks about vomiting out of the mouth. That's a little bit different. Um, oh, I'm just going to go with one of the Gospels, hoping that it's when Jesus um, makes mud with his spittle that he's spitting on the ground. So what is the Gospel of Mark? Wrong. That, in fact, he spat on the ground and made clay is John chapter 9. Oh. Spat is only occurs actually once, and that would have been a good guess for spat. But spitting, this is amazing, is in Isaiah 50, verse 6, which says this, I gave my back to those who struck me, my uh, cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. Yeah. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, sure Ooh. enough. That's a good one. You're starting to figure out this game. <laughs> yeah. A lot right. of gospel on that one. Not that you get any points. Uh, that's gospel because it's talking about the suffering of Jesus. And when Jesus is suffering, he's suffering for the sake of our sins. So that, that everything that Christ describes is what we deserve because of our sins. And yet it is not us receiving the punishment for our sins. It is, it is Christ in our place. So that is gospel. Okay, with just uh, uh, oh, am I going to get good. points? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no oh. points for that because you didn't get the test <laughs> right. You forgot. All right, two and a half minutes left in the show, and my final word for you is the word leaped. Uh, leaped. Leaped. L e a p e d. Leaped. Leaped. How much time did you say I had to figure this out? Two and a half minutes. Is that enough time for a Google search? Uh. Plenty of time. Uh, <laughs> leaped. Huh. That's interesting. Leaped. 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 Leaped for joy. The calves. We went out like calves leaping from the stall. That's leaping, not leaped. Leaped could be anywhere. It could be. But this leaping, especially jumping for joy, it reminds me of the paralyzed man that was healed. Uh... It reminds me of the prophets, the, the contrast between the sorrow and the, where you and the and the Lord leads you out leaping. In fact, we had that text yesterday where the Lord will be your, he'll go before you and he'll come after you, be your rear guard. Uh, Zechariah. I wonder if I have to tell you that uh, I'm using the New American Standard Bible. I don't know if that makes a difference, but in interest of full disclosure, probably does. There's also, you know, the animals are leaping around like in the book of Job. I'm going to go, though, with the most descriptive of all of the books, and that is the book of Psalms. Where, what is the book of Psalms? Uh, that is incorrect. I am sorry. Oh, dang. You were dang, looking for dang, dang. the gospel. Well, do you want to give me the verse? According to St. Luke. Really? There's some leaping going on in there? When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby... Uh, leaped in her oh. womb, and Elizabeth was filled oh, with the I wish the it would have been Spirit. leapt. See, that's what leaped. I don't know. I don't know if the other translations would actually say leapt in that case. 
I've, I have I've memorized that verse in like five different, uh, you know, versions, but not in the New American Standard. So All that right, was the so uh, you have uh, 15 seconds to guess the theme of today's verses. How about infant faith? Uh, no, the theme is uh, mother with child. Prenatal faith. <laughs> and that is to announce the uh, news that Mandy is pregnant with our first hey! child. <laughs> hey! Hey! Spell it out for I'm you. I'm giving all of your two million <laughs> points to Mandy. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Them. Another Thanks little for baby listening to this edition around. of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk oh, Radio is not man. Please Woo. consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, confetti, sploosh, incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, and oh, man. lung cancer, brain Have fever, you registered? Pain, you know, the baby registered so people can get you gifts to smell your vaccine, claustrophobia, yeah, we registered at Theology, but it's like, more information come they want all these Gerhard volumes for their baby? And Don't ask questions. Everyone's Luther. I've registered to everyone's Luther. <laughs> uh, oh, man. A trip, That's fantastic. A trip to Spain is what I want. I mean, the baby wants. <laughs>